and welcome to the GVA Legal Podcast. My name is Jean Kambuni and I'm your host. On Monday, 26th June 2023, the President of Kenya signed the Finance Bill 2023 into law. The act was controversial and there was a lot of resistance to some of its provisions. So four days later, on Friday 30th June 2023, the High Court of Kenya issued conservatory orders suspending the implementation of the Act. But at the end of July, the Court of Appeal lifted those conservatory orders and now we have the Act in force, at least for a little while, until we have the determination of that appeal. So to discuss the key aspects and implications of the Finance Act 2023, I have in studio with me Brian Waruru. Brian is an Assistant Manager, International Tax and Transaction Services at Anston Young LLP. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Jean, for the introduction. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation. I want us to start at the beginning and let's talk about um, the Finance Act and why it was, um, why we have it. What is the primary goal or objective behind this year's Finance Act? The Finance Act, it's an act of parliament, which basically provides for the how the government is going to finance its expenditure. And this is provided for under the Public Finance Management Act. That is the some of the legal provisions that underpin the Finance Act or the Finance Bill under Section 37 and Section 40. So we had the Finance Bill being uh, presented to Parliament uh, sometime end of April this year. And then we also had the budget statement sometime in uh, uh, mid-June. And then we had the, the Finance Act being assented, like you've correctly stated, on 26 June 2023. So the whole uh, objective behind the Finance Act uh, is to finance the government expenditure. Specifically for this financial year, the key objective as stated by the Cabinet Secretary, uh, His Excellency Jugunandungu uh, during the budget statement is that the Finance Act is meant to assist with implementing the bottom-up economic transformation agenda, which is popularly, popularly referred to as the BITA. And it has five strategic sectors. So they're looking at agricultural transformation, MSMEs, that is micro, small and medium enterprise economy, housing and settlement, healthcare and the digital superhighway and creative industry. The Kenya Kwanza government has a budget of 3.6 trillion for FY23-2024. And that is as an increase from the 3.3 trillion budget that we saw in the previous financial year. And now the Finance Act is coming with various amendments to the what we call the tax acts mainly, like the Income Tax Act, the VAT Act, the Excess Duty Act, to scale up collection of revenue authorities by the Kenya Revenue Authority, which is the authority which has been mandated with enforcement and administration of taxes under the KRA Act. And uh, in the medium term, we expect this to move to around $4 trillion as per the budget statement. So they'll be looking to expand the tax base and also to deepen the tax base. Expanding is bringing new people to, you know, new taxes uh, and new uh, persons who have not been paying taxes within the tax ambit. And then deepening is increasing the taxes that are already there, as we'll discuss, let's say, on PayY, ETC, ETC. Actually, now that you've given us pay and you've brought us there, I want us to start our next um, phase of our discussion and bring this to the impact of that Finance Act on individuals and household. So how does the Finance Act 23 affect individual Kenyan citizens? What changes have been made that impact our households and our income? Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a, an interesting and uh, well, 
you know it does it, it's it's a question that has been uh discussed an issue that has been discussed on different fronts the first uh thing that is going to affect individuals uh individual taxpayers is the increase in the tax bans so the finance act has introduced new tax bans uh for incomes of of certain threshold we have a 32.5% income for any income which is uh, above 500,000 to 800,000 per month and then we also have a new threshold of 35% for any income which is above 800,000 per month uh so this new two tax bans are going to really impact the individual taxpayer and it's not only employees but also any person individual in this case who is earning income making some income from Kenya and that therefore it required to file their return and pay their taxes effective uh 1st July 2023 they are going to be subjected to these new rates that is the first uh major you know shake up in the individual taxation space the other issue uh which has also been a subject of debate is the affordable housing levy which is uh at 1.5% for both employer for the 1.5% is for the employer then it is matched by another 1.5% by the by the employee so this is also uh, you know it has been very controversial in different spaces because uh, it doesn't have a cap number one so let's say if you are earning uh, 100000 you're going to part with 1500 if you are earning 1 million you have to part with 15000 and therefore uh we we expect a reduction in so you're going to be hit both by the new tax bans and also be hit by the new affordable housing levy so you may be aware that uh by the time the conservatory orders were being lifted most companies had already processed their payrolls so we expect that in the august in the august salary there are going to be a number of uh, you know double deductions for for employees and then we also have from an indirect tax perspective uh the third issue is the vat on fuel which increased from 8% to 16% that is fuel ex- excluding lpg so in addition to your income reducing you know fuel is also a direct input in a lot of uh, activities like manufacturing most 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 items have these are fuel component along the value chain so an increase in the products uh of you know the the fuel products directly and also indirectly other consumable products like you know food beverages etc etc so uh you know taxpayers now have to individual taxpayers have to dig more into their into their pocket i think those i could say those three are the you know major, major changes that yeah. affect the individual and it brings us back to those tax bans and first i just want to make a comment <clears throat> You know when we were young and we used to read about um Robin Hood who took from the rich and gave to the poor there's a sense in which um the increase in the tax bans at least specifically the tax bans only affects the highest paid which is a really tiny segment of our population if you really think about it so how bad would it be <laughs> if um, yeah. our government took from the yeah. rich yeah. and gave to the poorer because then we'd have more services available. Yeah. Yeah, so like you've correctly stated there's also the discussion of uh, Robin Hood taxes like uh, they're targeting the high income earners and uh, the reason for that is you know government is 
is has little headroom on how to collect the the their their revenues and therefore current taxpayers and has been discussed in various for, forums employees are the ones who are going to be hit mostly because it's it's one of the easiest avenues to to collect revenue and just to put this into perspective the revenue of uh, that uh that is being targeted for FY23-24, this uh, fiscal year is 2.96 trillion, vis-a-vis an expenditure of 3.7 trillion. So we are already at a budget deficit. So of this amount, uh, ordinary revenue, that is you know normal uh, tax and non-tax revenue like fees, levies uh, that are charged by the government is 2.57 trillion. We then we have the ministerial appropriation in aid of 348.7 billion. Then we have grants of 42.2 billion vis-a-vis an expenditure of uh, 3.7 trillion. So we have a deficit of 718 billion, which is 4.4% of the GDP. A slight improvement from the previous year where the deficit was 5.8% of the GDP. And uh, you as expected then, they are, they'll try and, you know, show up revenues from, from all whichever sources. sources. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. But I want to now ask, um, this 30, before, at least most people have had the 30% um, payee, but now we're taking it up to 35%. How does this tax rate compare um, locally or even just within the Africa region? Is Kenya high on the higher end or is this okay? If we really look at it uh, logically. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. And I think when it comes to benchmarking and comparison, it is critical to consider economies with similar, uh, you know, attributes, economic attributes. So let's say if we look at Southern Africa and and assess South Africa as as a country, for instance, we are performing better uh, compared to them in terms of the individual tax bands. So in South Africa, the highest band rate is 45%. So 10% uh, higher than us. 10% higher than us. And then in South Africa, uh, in Kenya now, if you're earning more than 500,000 per month or 6 million per annum, you will be paying 32.5%. Uh, that is over 6 million, but less than... Uh, comes to around that that's the 800 times 12 9.6 so it has to be between 6 to 9.6 you'll be paying 32.5 percent if you're in south africa if you're earning above 500,000, you you'll be paying 39 percent so we are slightly better but if you look at nigeria which is also an an a, an a economy comparable. a comparable a suitable comparable our rates are you know over the roof so for instance uh in nigeria the highest tax band is 24%. That's the highest that they have for individuals. And then um, any income more than 500,000, similar comparisons so that we can compare apples with apples, is uh, you'll be paying 24%, that which is the highest as compared to the highest rate now in Kenya, which is... 32.5. 32, and then we also have the 35% band. So in terms of comparison with, uh, you know, uh, other African economies of similar economic attributes. If you look at the rates by themselves, Kenya is, is you know, Kenya is in the middle, performing better than South Africa, but worse than Nigeria. Uh, but of course, you know, that is assuming all things are constant. 
the one of the things that has been advocated to encourage tax collection is to, in addition to collection, to enforcement and facilitation, is to build trust. So if the taxpayers know that this money that they are contributing is really going to, to be allocated to what it is intended for, with uh, less room for embezzlement and, and leakage, uh, I think, in my view, that taxpayers are, you know, uh, willing to go on with that discussion. Yeah. Now I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> and I don't know if any, um, I don't know how many other people are like me and have a bit of ignorance on this fact. But let's let's ask this question. I want us to briefly discuss the income of married women and the implications of the change made by the Act, by, by this Finance Act 2023. So maybe you'd begin by giving married women an explanation of how exactly they were viewed in terms of tax. Um, then now what, the, what, what changes have happened and what that yeah. means for us. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So, like you've correctly stated, there's been a there's been a change uh, in the in the in the Act, uh, Income Tax Act, to provide for, you know, that initially. Let me start like what you said. Initially, what will happen is that the husband could file a joint income, including income tax return, including uh, which is inclusive of the income of the wife. So they are being viewed as a household. And therefore, the the household led by this husband has filed the income of the of the household. But of course, this has been overtaken by time. Um, you know, admittedly, uh, during those years, um, you know, from the late nineties, because the income tax act we have is quite old. Uh, it's it's it, you know it's been here for some decades. So during those periods, it will have been understandable that they're just trying to make it administratively easy easy for taxpayers to you know to declare their returns but now with you know change in uh in the workplace environment and changing income levels uh women empowerment uh more opportunities for 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 for, for women uh of course this the the law as it was before is it needs to be updated and therefore it's just a clean up in the act from an administrative perspective you need to file a return per individual so it is a person has their pin an individual has one pin so you have if it's if you're filing the brand return it's brand return if you're filing gene return it's gene return so it's just more of a clean up to the act it's it's already something which is there but just cleaning the act to you know to have a legal uh you know the legal alliance with the practical so let me use this in practical terms because as we right now tax day is gone we've all filed our returns and if you haven't your penalties are coming your way but now next year when it's time to file returns, if previously um, I did not file a personal return like as myself because I was a married woman and I was subsumed in my husband and he declared a joint income for both of us, next year each married woman will have to file her own tax return. Is this what you're telling me? Correct, correct. So each each individual, uh, the man with their return, the married woman with their return, yes. It's good to know. That's so next if, year, that's if they have not been been filing it. Because remember, again, we, we have to align what has been happening practically since yeah. the enrollment of the iTax system by the it's Kenya true. Revenue Authority. Yeah, it's true. So if you haven't been doing this, at least you know now. If you're a married woman and your husband has been filing joint returns, next year you must file your own personal return. Yeah. Now, I want us now come to tax compliance and enforcement. Yeah. Are there changes in tax compliance regulations or enforcement mechanisms introduced by the Finance Act 2023? And what would they be? What are they? Yeah, so 
um aligning with the need to collect uh, revenue to increase revenue there's also been a number of changes to make sure that the revenue is collected very fast so one thing that we are seeing is that effective first july 2023 when it comes to withholding tax and withholding vat you are required to remit it within 5 working days so we are moving from uh 20th of every month from a monthly obligation to you know technically it's a daily obligation because once you make a payment you're then required to 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 remit to the kra within 5 working days and the kra has gone ahead to update their the income the the return templates for withholding tax and withholding vat so if you put a debt which is uh, beyond the 5 working days penalties and interest are automatically computed yeah so that is uh, in terms of enforcement that is one of the the, the major things that that have happened Well I I like that though because if I remember correctly in the finance bill it was a 24 hour payment so I think yes. at le- at least um some sort of public participation was accepted yes. and they increased the window from 24 hours to at least five working days because we thought we talked I think we talked about the administrative how burden, the administrative yeah. burden yeah. of trying to do um a daily Yeah. payment especially if you have a bigger institution that has multiple layers of bureaucracy yeah. it might make that um, provision difficult to implement and would make everyone susceptible to penalties instantly yeah so i mean the bill like you've correctly stated had 24 hours but now the act is saying five working days but the question is how is it still you know um, a good proposal and and from where i see it not not really because you have uh ev- every day there's always a transaction happening there's a purchaser there's a seller and um, i can tell you for instance we have some companies whereby an invoice is posted by the supplier on a system that is created by that company so it's not manually fed so you automatically feed an invoice uh, into the system the system picks the invoice debt and then it calculates automatically the so number of credit days let's say is 30 days so by the 30th day from the day of posting on the system by the supplier which is you know so there's no internal process so we have a supplier post the invoice the system picks the debt then it calculates 30 days um, this person is going to be paid so you'll find that we'll be paying in-house, tax before we pay the supplier yeah uh, not necessarily um you know that's a discussion maybe for another day on the point of, of point of tax whether it's payment or accrual but the the point that I wanted to bring out is you'll be having daily transactions so there's a payment being made on a daily basis you can't manually change it because the system especially for multinationals the system has been you know has been uh, developed somewhere in 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 the US or somewhere in India or China and therefore they're just you know the system the supplier works with how the system is 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 uh Calibrated. is configured and therefore every day there's a payment which is maturing so you can imagine as an accountant or uh you know uh receivables or payables manager you have every day to post a transaction you're being given the five days but you see it's some of these things are you know internally driven by by the company and in addition to that we have the approval process you know this payment has to go to the head of finance it has to go to the let's say to the to the manager or some instances even to the highest level that it can go before it is it is approved so every day you may be finding you know uh, a taxpayer 
or the person handling the tax matters of, a, of an entity, having that you know cumbersome process of trying to get approvals on a daily basis. So what we are we've been telling taxpayers is to perhaps try and have uh, periodic payments. So you can do two payments per month, so bi-weekly, so that you minimize the number of processes. So in a nutshell, while we have the five days, five working days, it is still not a practical and uh, you know commercially viable uh, position that we should go maybe as a country because you know we are trying you should make the the administrative burden easier so that then you can you know try and uh so like some countries like let's say rwanda they just have one date where all taxes are paid you follow so yeah. it is very from an administrative side it's, it's easier it's, for it's, you to meet that um, yeah. obligation yeah. and to pay your taxes on time and yeah. to ensure that all yeah. other internal processes are met before that tax has to be paid Correct. because now it it puts and um the the people who are executing it in a very tricky position where yeah. they're trying to it's meet the requirements. It's an administrative burden uh, yeah. for them. Yeah, but of course we also appreciate that the government is trying maybe to you know try and collect so that it can service whichever payments are due. Uh, hopefully uh, after this trial period uh, with the finance act, maybe once they are reviewing the finance bill next year, we can we can have a discussion on that and see if they are going planning to change that now that they will have tested and see. Actually, that's the saving grace. We still have another finance bill that we will negotiate next year and yeah. we will see the, how practical the provi- this provision has been yeah. and how um, administratively burdensome, cumbersome, even for KRE themselves, they'll yeah. see um, the likelihood of it being implemented and we might move to a more, the proposal that you said, the halfway point, instead yeah. of having it once on the 20th, we'd have now two payment times, like the yeah. KRE would now come up with a more yeah. feasible model. Yeah. But you can't yeah. know until you try. Yeah. Um, I want to ask finally, looking forward on future trends and considerations, if we look ahead, what trends or factors do you see for um, or do you foresee influencing future finance acts in Kenya? How does the 2023 act set the tone? I mean, it's been very, very controversial, very, very, I think it pushed boundaries, boundaries that before everyone thought what the lines were drawn and forgotten. So how does it set the tone for the country's economic and fiscal policies moving forward? Yeah. So I think, uh, and in my view, is that uh, moving forward, the, gov- the the headroom that the government has in terms of revenue mobilization keeps uh, getting smaller and smaller. Um, and also remember, we have the draft national tax policy, which now advocates for uh, taxes to be reviewed. I think uh, it should be five years. Uh, and therefore, you know, more predictability so that even investors can plan because when it comes to the investment first, they have to plan, you know, for five years, seven years, eight years, 10 years, ETC. So that notwithstanding, I think what we expect to see, and we've seen also hints in this current finance act, is increasing the tax base by uh, targeting the informal sector, or I can call it the Juakali sector, so we've seen the electronic tax invoice management system that has been uh, has been rolled out uh, has been rather has been passed into law uh, in the income tax act such that any expenses that are deductible they have to be generated through the electronic tax invoice management system save for certain exemptions which are provided in what we call the tax procedures act but the juakali sector is is a sector which definitely is going to be to be targeted because uh, employees are, are now taking most of the heat uh you know uh 
most likely there are people are going to go up in arms uh if you know if all matters uh as they are we then have a new rate of 45% for instance for for income earned by 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 employees so to balance the scales they are going to probably target the juakali sector and try and collect as much as they can so through you know data surveillance intelligence uh you know data collection uh trying to you know, like the electronic tax invoice you expect it to be more robust just like the VAT tax invoice management system that was rolled out so that is one increased enforcement and investigations so that any person who is meant to pay taxes they are paying their taxes uh so we saw like the withholding tax on digital content monetization you know the content creators who are now not really a new tax but now the obligation of the tax is being placed on the on the on the person on the person paying on the person paying so so that they can now be brought within the because once you are paid that tax is within the system and therefore you are under the 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 rad of the of the of the Kenya Revenue Authority system so if more enforcement more investigations um, and this has also been uh, in the if you look at the budget policy statement the 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 government is very keen on trying to you know uh, crack down on tax cheats and more more enforcement and investigations we also expect uh, more alternative dispute resolutions uh out that which is an out of court settlement which said which seeks to to arrive at an, an amicable solution for both parties that is the taxpayer and the and the revenue authority the commissioner if i can uh, that's the correct name to refer to uh and interestingly they increased the number of days from 90 days to 120 days so that is going to happen digital economy taxes because uh while maybe there's little headroom on this other conventional or vanilla side the digital economy is rapidly evolving you know we have uh, a lot of you know uh, startups uh, in the tech technology sector we have the you know the what you can say the gafa the google amazon facebook and apple which are you know becoming some of the valuable most valuable and some of the biggest companies globally so the government is going to to try and tap into that we already have a digital service tax uh, at i think 1.5% of the of the gross turnover but they're going to find ways in which they can try and tap more into that of course balancing that with the global minimum tax which which is meant to harmonize these taxes globally but of course each government has its own targets and it has its own needs so it's very uh it's possible but it can be difficult and to try and harmonize you know taxes globally then also from a multinational perspective uh, is also the country by country reporting uh by you know which has been initiated uh in the last year and we are having a number of country by country reports to be filed by end of this year uh you know it's a what you can call a three tier reporting for multinational so they are supposed to say for instance in switzerland this is you're supposed to file a report which then will show the global turn- turnover how much expenses are being located allocated to kenya and therefore it's going to you know ha- make care have have some insights on how uh, what are the tax planning measures that multinationals are putting in place are they aggressive are they legal are they legal um, and therefore country by country taxes you know uh, and interestingly 
the income tax return for companies for financially for effect i think it started some 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 months earlier so companies which were filing returns for the 31st june the 30th june deadline sorry they were required to declare related party transactions so it's also being implemented on the administrative side but we expect more of that yeah so i think those five uh most likely are going to be the future trends I and mean, you know we, we really don't know but i think from where we sit as tax practitioners that's that's what what we may expect Thank you so much, Brian. That brings us to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Brian Waruru, Assistant Manager, International Tax and Transaction Services at Ernst Young LLP. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jean, for this session. Thank you so much. And I know we'll have more. We're discussing this. Uh, thank you yes. so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Jean Kambuni. Tell us what you think about this episode in, our, uh, in the comment section of our social media pages or on email. Our email address is info at gvalawfirm.com. You can also follow Gikera and Vadgama Advocates on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook as GVA Law Firm. Thank you again for joining us on the GVA Legal Podcast. <laughs>